Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Who is the most dysfunctional organization in the association right now? Now, that might seem easy, but think about that for one second. Because, quote, most dysfunctional franchise is actually a very competitive category at the moment. So where do you start? Obvious place right up the road. The Lake Show, a.k.a. the Purple and Gold Titanic, a.k.a. Genie and Rob Low Palenka, a.k.a. the Rambi, Le GM, and Irv's Mess. So I can start right there. I mean, the Lakers don't just have a doomed roster. Their doomed roster has a dude making 44 mil per that nobody wants around. A dude who essentially tried to tell us on Monday, hey, it doesn't matter that nobody wants me to work here. We have all been in that position. We've all had bosses that we hate, and we all have coworkers that we hate, but we still have a job to do. You said you've bought it, you're buying into the Lakers. Do you think the Lakers are buying into you? Do you think the Lakers want you here? I mean, um, whether that they want me here or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, honestly, my job is to be a professional, show up to work like I've always done thus far, do my job the best way I know how to, and that's it. I mean, we all have jobs that sometimes people at our jobs don't like us or don't want us there, as you guys probably can attest to in any other job across the world. Um, and as a professional and as a uh, working uh, man, I have to do my job and do it the best way I know how um, to be able to support and take care of my family, and that's what I would do. Yeah, I see you working, sort of, Westbrick, but not really at all. Westbrick and the Bleep Show. Urgh, Lake Show. Yeah, that drama is nothing new, right? Maybe nobody there wants the point guard around, but at least the point guard did not try to get anybody whacked, right? That's whack. Hey, one more thing about the point guard and this whole notion of Everybody's had that job around the world where they've been in that position. Yeah, but not everybody's been the point guard of the L.A. Lakers making 44 mil. So, no, we haven't all been in that position, Russ. In any other job across the world? No, Brick. We have not all been in that position in, quote, any other job across the world. Because, frankly, there is no other job across the world like the job you have in this world. The one that pays you 44 mil and nobody there wants you around. So, no, you can't compare that to, quote, any other job across the world. Your job is not like any job across the world. But again, like I said, at least you didn't try to get anybody fired. You want to talk about awkward? Why don't we talk about the Brooklyn Nets, who are all back together after KD, a.k.a. Mr. Miserable, tried to get the coach and the GM bleep canned and then demanded a trade. That right there is the very definition of dysfunctional. And then acting like everything is cool and totally normal. That's not dysfunctional. That's just insanity. That's just crazy. But of course, this is exactly what the Nets are trying to pull off this week. Acting like none of this actually happened and that it's all good and there's nothing to see here. Which would be the most hilarious thing ever if lying out your ass were funny. But it's not. Check out Steve Nash's act yesterday. We're fine. We're good. We're, ever since we talked, it's been like nothing's changed. So um, I have a you know, long history with Kevin. And uh, I love the guy. We, we, families have issues. We had a moment, and uh, it's behind us. <laughs> good one, Steve. Alvin might be doing an incredible job, but you're not. Unless your job is to lie. Yeah, whatever you say, coach. I think even families with issues do not have issues like this. But if you want, if you want to turn the cringe up even higher with the family analogies, you've got brand new net, Markeith Morris, and he's got lots of analogies for you. That's the NBA, man. Um, you break up with a girlfriend, you get back with her. Same. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, your differences until you figure it out. Does it work? Yeah, I mean, broke up with my wife a couple times. We still married. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Uh, you know, sometimes you need space to figure some things out. It works, you know. 
It is what it is. It is what it is, and what that is, again, is a big-ass lie. Them acting like, you know, this is just normal. This is what we all go through. Every family has problems. You know, it's kind of like Westbrook saying, it's like any other job across the world. It's not like any other job across the world, and not every family tries to fire family members and then try to get themselves traded out of the family and then come back to the family that they tried to wreck in the first place and say that there's nothing to see here. Like, don't hurt yourselves trying to come up with all these lame jokes and girlfriend analogies to get us to believe that this is completely normal behavior for every family or team. Family. Because it's not. And not every single team slash family goes through this. They don't. They don't. And if they do, then they better win, right? The star player who's trying to carve the family better get exactly what he wants. You know, like back in the day when Irv got Paul Westhead run or when 45 iced Doug Collins. you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. See, Katie was hoping for that. Katie was hoping that he'd throw on his TV or go online and find some streaming or go to a certain platform and say, or have somebody say, if you're going or getting ready for work this morning, you're probably not Steve Nash. If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. Or Sean Marks. Or both. But that's not what happened. Come to find out, KD did not have the hammer he thought. So now he's stuck in a marriage that he wants no part of, even if they all tell you the marriage is just fine. Yeah, if just fine, by that you mean the couple is sleeping in separate rooms, it's just fine. They're probably sleeping in separate houses. And that's before we even get to the biggest home wrecker of them all, Kyrie Irving. So hard to argue that the Nets aren't the most dysfunctional crew in the association. They're the leader in the clubhouse, but there's more. Here comes another horse racing analogy. Check out the Suns. The Phoenix Suns making their run late, running five wide, eating up huge chunks of real estate, and finishing like a freight train. Yes, there is your horse racing analogy, but it does apply here. And for more than just one reason. But if we have to start somewhere, of course, we start with the owner, Robert Racial slurver. Yes, he's on his way out. And no, with no thanks to Commissioner Ears. But he's not out yet. Which means there is a certain dark cloud hanging over the suns, and especially in Media Day Monday. Actually, there were two dark clouds. Because remember what happened the last time these dudes were all together on the court? Remember, they collapsed and they choked and they died on their home floor in Game 7 against the Mavs. Remember that. Remember they were down Game 7 now at home, down 30 at halftime. And Coach Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton had a blowout on the bench. Remember that? The big man got benched. Remember? Bench the salt. Bench the DeAndre. Bench the salt. So if you thought that extension, that new contract, that four-year deal worth 133 mil was going to patch everything up and make it all right, then you were wrong about that too. See if you can pick up any of the negative vibes that the big fella is throwing off on his media day session Monday. Congratulations on obviously getting the getting the deal. Um, just maybe your your thoughts that now that 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 you got that. Maybe what was your initial reaction once the Suns matched the Pacers offer? I was happy. It was all done, I guess. That's it? Yep. Okay. Dude, you sound thrilled. Did you just sign a $133 million contract or get hit by a train? Dragged by a bus? Had a root canal? Oh, I was happy, man. It was awesome. Let me remind you. That's the former number one overall pick of the reigning Western Conference number one seed, who just got paid 133 mil this offseason, and he rolled in his son's training camp like he would rather be anywhere else at all. Like at the dentist, or sinking to the bottom of the ocean, or on the receiving end of a parody Larry call. Or like he'd just seen his dog killed. So obviously, that was a rather strange answer, and it raised some eyebrows, 
And then what Aiton followed that up with yesterday raised even more. You and Monty's kind of been able to I haven't spoken to Monty. No, I haven't spoken at all. Ever since the game. You happy with GPA? Yeah, I'm all right. It's, you know, I'm in between those lines, man. I'll just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest. And a name on my back I have to represent. I'm just here to work, man. If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. Wait, what? The two of them still have not spoken. Monty and DeAndre still have not spoken since that Game 7 gag job, which included a bench blow-up between the former number one pick and the NBA coach of the year, and that player got a huge extension, matched by the team, yet the two of those dudes have not come together. They have not had a single word exchange since then, even after that enormous contract. Neither the coach, thank you, Alvy. Thank you very much for having my back. Thanks for picking me up and making me look good. You know, we could have pretended that that didn't happen. So I've got kind of a personal question for you fellas. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. Big number, right? 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. On top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. Thus, it leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. What I'm saying to you is this is a great product that does a lot of things really well. So make sure you try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. Alvy. Alvy's definitely feeling it. Alvy's got a little something up his rump. <laughs> anyway, good looking out as always. So what we're saying here is the coach, neither the coach nor the player, had anything to say to the other. You know, neither one of those guys said, hey, listen. We're both still here. We need to have the hard conversation. Especially my guy, Monty Williams, who is on record as saying everything good is on the other side of hard. I say it myself. I mean, he's the guy who I picked that up from. Everything good is on the other side of hard. Absolutely true. Yet, they're not having the hard conversation. And by the way, it's not even that hard. There are much harder things than having that conversation. That's not even the reason to have that hard conversation because there's good on the other side. It's because it's the obvious and right thing to do and there is incredible dysfunction on the other side if you do not have that conversation. How is it even possible that the coach and the newly minted $133 million big have not spoken since Game 7? I mean, maybe you want to give everybody a few days to blow off a little bit of steam, cool out, fine. But a few months? And they haven't talked yet. And then when asked what he would say if and when they do, Aiden says, you know, I could better show him than tell him. What? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. I mean, holy crap, guys. Even the Knicks are jealous of that level of dysfunction. Not even JD and the straight shot can play a song that cringe. Let me repeat, Monty is the reigning NBA coach of the year. One of the most respected guys in the association. Beloved. But he never picked up the phone to call Aiton. And Aiton putting his name on that contract, the line that's dotted, he never thought to himself, I better get back on the same page with coach. After all, they did just commit over $130 million to me. I mean, that is wild. Alvin, turn that crap off, please. I can't think. I guess. That's wild. But then again, it is the association right now. It is. It is. That's the association right now. Anyway, you tell me, clones. Who is the biggest bleep show right now in the NBA heading into the season? The Nets, the Lakers, the Suns. We're still waiting on some sort of clarity or any kind of explanation or information from the Celtics. You can never go wrong by throwing the Knicks in there. 
Who you got? Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Their head coach is Rick Stockstill. Rick, it is great to have you on. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me on, my man. Great to have you, Rick. Really appreciate it. Listen, I understand you probably have a 24-hour rule. You've got that short week. You've got a big game coming up on Friday night. But, Rick, that butt-kicking you dropped on Miami this past weekend was electric. What did your team show you in winning the way it did, and what were you most proud of? I guess the, the thing I was most proud of, Jim, was just the toughness that we played with. I talked all week long about we had to be the tougher team, both physically and mentally, because the adversity that you're going to have in the game, you've got to be mentally tough, especially going on the road to overcome that. So I, I was just proud of how we, how tough we played, how physical we played. You know, stopping the run is always, to me, a great indication of your toughness. And uh, so uh, I was proud of that. And just, you know, I, I talked all week long. I said – Michael Irvin and Ray Lewis and all them cats, they ain't coming out of the smoke down there. Just be confident in yourself individually. Be confident, believe in ourselves as a team, and let's go down there and get out after them. Don't look at the scoreboard. Just play, and at the end of the game, we'll look up and see how we did. But I was proud of our toughness as much as anything. Rick Stockstill joining us. Rick, I'm so glad you said that once again. I thought that was a great line that, hey, guys, listen, Michael Irvin et al., they ain't coming out that smoke. That They're not coming out. You can be ready for this. You can get this done. And then your guys show up and they do that. So, Rick, what's it like? You know, this is something else you touched on, but what's it like to go out and then accomplish something as a group that probably nobody outside of that group thought that you could accomplish? What did that feel like? Yeah, Jim, I told him, Jim, in the locker room after the game, I said, you know, one of the greatest feelings in the world is doing something that nobody thinks you can do. And and, and when you're 26-point underdogs, nobody thought you could do it. And uh, it just, no matter if you're in the business world, the athletic world, whatever you're in, when somebody says you can't make a sale, when somebody says you can't do this, you can't beat this team, and then you go do it and you go prove it, you know, just it's an extra ounce of feel good, uh, an extra sense of accomplishment that, man, don't let somebody tell you you can't do something. And, and, you know, all our guys, I mean, we don't have five-star guys and we don't have as good a stuff as Miami has and all that. But, you know, it doesn't mean that they're better, that we got a chip on our shoulder, that we, we have to go out and earn everything we get every day. We have an opportunity every day to prove ourselves, you know, against higher competition or if that's what you want to say or, you know, an ACC team and that. So, uh, again, it's just a great accomplishment for our team and for our players. Rick Stockstill joining us. Rick, because you've been around this thing a long time, you've got a certain perspective that young players would never have, but you understand this already. I mean, how pumped are you for this group that they will always have that memory? They will have that the rest of their lives. You know, again, Jim, it's great you brought that up. But, you know, I tell our players all the time, you're not going to miss practice. You're not going to miss the weights. You're probably not going to miss the games. What you're going to miss is the locker room, the camaraderie that you have in an athletic locker room. And when you celebrate after a win like that, a memory that you've created that will last a lifetime, those guys will remember that forever. And then for them being the first team 
in the history of this program to be the top 25 team, you know, you can only be the first one one time. And, and they'll go down in history as the first one. And it's a great memory uh, that they've been able to create and cherish and be able to hold on for the rest of their life. Middle Tennessee State head football coach Rick Stockstill joining us. I'm going to look ahead to your game coming up Friday night in a moment. But, Rick, let me ask you this. You're in your 17th season there. That's who you are. I mean, you're Middle Tennessee, but those who know know, of course, you played at Florida State. In fact, you're in the Florida State Hall of Fame. I'm curious, you're not going to make it about you, but how does a win against the Canes as coach at Middle Tennessee State compare to beating the Canes when you were a player at Florida State? You know, I would say, you know, because we're in the in the moment right now, win coaching Middle Tennessee, and I don't want to take because I don't want to take anything away from our players. Um, and, and I was asked that question after the game, and I said, "No, I'm all Middle Tennessee, you know that." But you know, deep down in me, I got a, I got some garnet and gold blood. I wear Coach Bowden's name on my hat. I wore it last year after he passed. I'm wearing it this year, and I'll wear it every game that I coach the rest of my career because, you know, Coach Bowden meant the world to me. And uh, But, no, I, I'm happy. I got a lot of my former teammates and friends and everybody, people I don't know from Tallahassee, have called or emailed or that sort of thing. And, you know, they were pretty happy in Tallahassee as well. So a little bit of me you know, happy because of the Florida State thing. Yeah, you know, Rick, before you go, I'm glad you mentioned Bobby, Bobby Bowden, because, you know, I remember when I was a young reporter coming up and I got my first TV show and Bobby came on and Bobby, I mean, Rick, you know this, Bobby was larger than life. Bobby was the biggest thing in the game, but Bobby had this way of making everybody, everybody feel like they were the only person or they were the most important person. You played for him. What do you remember most about Bobby Bowden and what was he like to play for? Uh, I try to coach like Coach Bowden uh, more than any coach that I've coached for. And I've coached with a bunch of Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, but he, he had the unique ability to make an average player play good and a good player play great. He just motivated us and instilled so much confidence in us that we felt like – because, you know, everybody wants to – you know, the Florida State, the 90s when they were – beating everybody in the world but in the early days you know we had to go on the road and play nebraska and ohio state and notre dame and pitt and lsu and all that you know and that's where florida state you know really took off with those games and you know we've had to do it here going on the road to play you know all the so-called big boys you know for the money check and um you know it's just uh he just he like you said he made everybody feel important, uh, but he was a great communicator with us as players. He listened. Uh, he open door policy. You could go talk to him about everything or anything, and you know he was a coach, but also a father figure. And uh, but to me, the thing was just his honesty. He was brutally honest about everything with us, probably with you guys in the media, and. Um, just a, a phenomenal role model. Rick Stockstill joining us for a few more moments, and I do appreciate your thoughts on Bobby. Hey, Rick, what about Kevin Byard? I'll bring, I bring him up because I'm a huge Kevin Byard guy. Could not respect the man or his game any more than I do. What did it mean to you to retire his number 20 jersey recently, and what's he mean to the program? Yeah, Jim, just, uh, he was a great player here, obviously. He's had a great you know, start to his career in the NFL, so, but more importantly than that, you know, he's a great man. You know, he's he's involved in his community back home. He's involved in the communities here in Middle Tennessee area, Nashville. He's a leader. He was a leader here. He's a leader for the Titans. You know, he's a leader in the NFL. He does things the right way. Um, you know, and, and and I talk about him all the time. You know, in recruiting, I talk to him about our players. Uh, here and just the the role model that he is for so many young people out there, and and I you say you know he wasn't highly recruited, you know he we were his he didn't have any power five offers, you know so he he comes here and I tell people you can you can get to the NFL from Middle Tennessee, you can graduate, you can accomplish all your goals, all your dreams from here. 
just like you can anywhere else. And bigger doesn't mean better. And, uh, you know, Kevin's a perfect example of that. And bigger is definitely not always better. I agree. So, Rick, before you go, you come off a big high like that. It's never an easy thing, especially when you've got a quality team waiting for you, UT San Antonio, and it's a short week. I know you've made this point to your team. When you look at the Roadrunners on tape, what concerns you the most about them? Is there anything that jumps off the tape? Yeah, I think one, Jim, their quarterback does. Uh, he's by far the best quarterback we will have played this year. He's um, very dynamic. He can run. Uh, they're throwing the ball more this year than they have the last couple years. They've got some really, really special receivers that are leading the conference in receptions and yards. Uh, their team defense defense is extremely fast at every position. So the speed in their quarterback is what jumps off the tape as much as anything. Middle Tennessee State coming off their best win ever. They've got another opportunity and a big challenge coming up on Friday night. In fact, that game is right here on CBS Sports Network, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Their head coach is a three-time conference coach of the year, Rick Stockstill. Rick, really good to have you on. I appreciate the energy. Congrats on the great win and looking forward to seeing your team on Friday night once again. Rick, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you, Jim. Got a lot of respect for you and your show, man. I've been following you for a long time. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of high lie, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. Highlight is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighlightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the app store the sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching check out all the action at highlightworld.com matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match each set is played up to six points it is a sport you need to check out highlightworld.com monday and tuesday at 5 p.m friday at 7 p.m it is time to beef let's get it this guy's gonna set the tone Rome, how am I supposed to beef about things at work if you don't allow us to have bathroom beefs? Yours, Matt in L.A. Eric in Castle Rock. Jimothy, my beef is with the person who says, living the dream. If I ask, how are you doing? And you respond with that, you are a tool. Because I know for a fact, you're not living the dream, pal. You're on the verge of a mental breakdown, and you're the type of person who would serve jail time for assaulting a fast food worker if they mistakenly gave you a Diet Coke instead of a Coke Heavy. If you say you're, quote, living the dream, you need therapy. Eric in Colorado Springs. Romy, my beef is with Coach Dingleberry. The Cardinals are never ready to start games. They always start behind. And his clock management and game time decisions are not good. Below not good. Get better, Cliffy. Pete in Phoenix. No way, a straight sports beef. Rome. My beef is with Renaissance festivals. A bunch of gross, fat, middle-aged losers dressing up like knights and wenches. Keep your sicko fetishes in your trailer homes, fatties. Court. Nice job, Court. That's the leader in the clubhouse. I like that. When I was a kid, I always went to the so-called Renaissance Fair. It was in Agora in the 818. It was hot. The only thing I remember aside from the trailer home fatties and the knights and the wenches, the churros were badass. Good lemonade and good churros. But as a kid, I always did that. Mm. Hey, Jim, my beef is with LinkedIn. Everyone on it is so fake and pompous. The site serves two purposes. One, for bags to brag about how they're better than you. And two, they're for guys who have not talked in forever to come out of the blue like your best friend and try to rope you into their latest pyramid scheme. John in Erie. War James in Portland. Come on! Come on! 
I mean, wouldn't you say that about any online platform? Rome, my beef is with James in Portland. When he first started calling the show, he was like hemorrhoids, only more annoying. But credit where credit is due. With each call, the man ups his game in a big way, and damn it, he makes me laugh. The cognitive dissonance that this has caused really pisses me off. Life was a lot simpler when I could just despise his ass. Tom in Virginia. James, my man. It's impossible to hate. My beef is with the passengers in boarding group C who hover around the gate in an attempt to cut in front of the previous boarding groups. Sit down and wait for your group to be called. Better yet, check your bags. Pat in Salem, Oregon. Darren Incuna writes, My beef is with the habanero sauce that was evidently still on my fingers when I took a leak. Hashtag, ready, aim, fire. I said no bathroom beefs. That's a bathroom beef violation. At Wrong Rush One tweets, My beef is with celebrity athletes in commercials doing normal things. You expect us to believe that LeBag spends his days at the cell phone store. Or Ketchup Mahomes is passionate about insurance. Stop it. Dear Jim, my beef is, it's my Friday guy. We all know this guy. He rolls in on a Wednesday, proudly announcing it's my Friday, and proceeds to tell his trapped co-workers what his plans are. Sincerely, calling in sick on Monday, guy. Mike and Hammett. Hey, Mike, they're not trapped. Chalk is off the next two days. Some of them are not trapped. James, my beef, is with my coworkers who make fun of me for wearing and smelling like sunscreen. We don't work in an office. We work outside. I'm sorry that I'm not tougher than the bleeping sun, you kooks. Mike in mini. I like that. You're on the podium right now, Mike. Romy, my beef is with my boss. Constantly asking me to come into the office for meetings. Hey, buddy, I work from home. Can't we do this over a Zoom call? I would rather not drive 35 minutes to meet for less than an hour and then come back home. Look at Amber in Portland with a straight take. Rich writes, my beef is with smug waiters who interrupt my lunch with clearly food on my plate and dishes out with the, are we done with lunch yet? Or are we still working on our lunch? Listen, bag, I'm not having lunch with you. I'm not working and I'll let you know when the hell I'm done. I like that one. Rome Slice. What's my beef? Whistling booger guy it's bad enough to have to hear you struggle to breathe heavily through your nose now i have to listen to that high-pitched squeak every time you inhale blow your damn nose she often lincoln wisco jim my beef is with these cringy uncomfortable television commercials dealing with (laughs) Sack trimmers, time of the month panties, or ladies deodorant for their musty downstairs workspace. None of these are things I want to see at six in the morning trying to eat my breakfast. Wow, Patrick in Alabama. Matt in the 604 writes, my beef is with kids fundraising with anything other than cookies or candy. Unless that magazine subscription or wrapping paper assortment comes covered in sugar, I don't want it. Signed, diabetically yours, writ. John Turgeon, Rome, my beef is with the living the dream beef guy. I love beefs in in response to beefs in the same segment. My beef is with living the dream, beef guy. Of course we're not going to say we're ready to rip somebody's head off and have a mental breakdown. It's the equivalent of, 
I am fine. He's got a good point. That works for me. I'd much rather hear living the dream than I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown. Yeah, I I know. I know. I don't want to be a hypocrite. If there are issues, you should be able to tell people close to you that there are issues. Let me just say that. Jimmers. I know if it starts with Jimmers, I know who it's from. Jimmers. I've got beef with the pair of skid-stained panties that reported my Raiders tweet. Look, son, the next time you get butthurt by an innocuous tweet, or any tweet for that matter, go ahead and slide into my DMs. I will send you one extra heavy menstrual pad to cover your eyes and two super absorbent tampons to shove in your ears. Put the pacifier down. Have mama warm a bottle of breast milk. Go back to your crib. Gum a teething ring and take a nap. Abigail and acrimonious Diego wore love from the jungle and the jimmers. Abby? I don't say this about very many people. In fact, you should really only say it about one person. Otherwise, the phrase doesn't work. But I'll say it on your behalf. You are one of one, Abby. And I mean that in the best way. There is no lady clone. There is no clone, I don't think, like Abby. Who else can write that? Who else can write that and send that? Who else can get away with that? Abigail. All right, let's go to the phones quickly. We go to Bob in L.A. Like I said, who knew? No way. Bob has a beef? Bob in L.A. Bob, what's your beef? Hey, okay, Jim. How about this beef beauty? Uh, and it's happened to you as me. You're driving along in your car real nice. You got your stereo on and everything, and you're not paying attention. And then, bah, bah, out of, your, out of the air comes two nights blasts of a car horn, scaring the crap out of you. Anyway, Jim, it sounds real to me. And uh, what I, uh, the, um, uh, I've almost got... What the hell is going on there? Not a very good call. Hey, Bob, hearing things is not a beef. Trying to compete with whatever you were trying to compete with is not a beef. That's kind of a California thing. Here, if somebody hits you with a horn, it's a reason to go. In some northeastern cities, it's a way of life. It's not personal at all. Here in Cali, if somebody hits you with a horn, it's a reason to go. You learned that fast, right, Chalk? You learned that, right? But I've told this story before, but I live near a roundabout, and there are so many a-holes that either don't know what yield means, don't give a damn what yield means, thinks that yield does not apply to them. And I drive this roundabout every single day so I know how to drive it. There are idiots who don't, who blow right through. And if I don't take a defensive stance and I go aggressive on the gas, we'll crash, and it will be their fault because they've got the yield. I lean on that horn for like 10 minutes. Garrett in NorCal. Garrett, what's your beef? Rome, how's it going? Good, uh, dude. My beef is with pizza companies not having that little tiny plastic table in the pizzas anymore. I don't know if it's just me, but it's been like five years since I've seen one. Not uh, On top of my pizzas all being messed up, I lose out on the wonderment in my children's eyes. Says, what the hell is this little table doing in this box? That's all I got. I, <laughs> I like it. So not only is your pie coming with all your cheese stuck to the box, but you miss out on all the wonderment from your kids asking, what is that little table doing in the box? That's actually a great line. Let's go to Jeff in Virginia. So far, so good. Jeff, what's your beef? Yo, yo, Jeff, go ahead. You're on the air. What's your beef? Ah! not. Too bad he had a good one. Like Portland, Maine. Like Bill in Portland. Good, good to have you, Bill. What's your beef? Hey, what's going on, big guy? What's up, hey, dude? Big props to the uh, hygiene commercial beef. That was uh, that that I was I almost lost my train of thought on that one. But my beef is with uh, y'all on the West Coast hiding under that Pacific Standard Time Zone thing. I mean, by the time y'all are rolling out of the rack, I'm already on my fifth lunch taco. It's ridiculous, Jim. What, you guys are the last in line. Just do better. <laughs> Set your clock. 
do it do better a small business what, owners yeah, listen up you may have overpaid on your payroll taxes during covid now for years big businesses have benefited from government tax credits now it is your turn to reap the benefits if you employed five to 500 employees and you paid payroll taxes during covid you may be eligible for an employee tax credit refund of up to $26,000 per employee to find out if you do qualify call omega accounting solutions Right now, trusted advisors and champions for America's small businesses. Omega has a perfect turnkey ERC process. So much so, they can tell you if you qualify for the ERC in 10 minutes or less. A quick and easy and painless process. Omega is highly rated by the Better Business Bureau and tax experts alike. Tax advisors even turn to Omega for their ERC advice. And since this exclusive tax credit will not be around forever, you want to pick up the phone and you want to chat with a seasoned advisor and you want to do it right now. It is not too late to file. Get the money the government owes you before the filing window closes or funds run out. Talk to an Omega expert right now by calling 800-704-2000 or go to Omega taxcredits.com. Bruce Feldman is my guest. Bruce, great to have you back. How are you? Doing great, Jim. Good to be on with you. It's good to have you, Bruce. Thanks so much. All right, so let me start first with Georgia Tech. They fired their head coach, Jeff Collins, Monday. Bruce, you, he had done a nice job at Temple, but he could never really seem to get things going at Tech. Why did things not work out for him there? I think it was a bunch of factors. I mean, look, he had, he had a good reputation as a recruiter. His best recruit that he was able to land there, Jamar Gibbs, ended up transferring last year to Alabama. So when you're losing your best player because of the portal and they can they can leave whenever, um, that makes it a little harder. Uh, also, I just think the question is how committed is Georgia Tech to playing college football at a high level? Um, it's not you know, in addition, they also fire the AD at the same time. So now this school not only has a head coaching search, but the first thing they probably got to do is hire the athletic director and really sell whoever takes this job. Yes, we're serious about playing high-level college football because you're obviously in an area where there's tons of talent around Atlanta, and there is good history there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can sell there. But if they're not really committed to getting everything on the same page the way some of the programs around them are, it's going to be such an uphill battle. Bruce Feldman joining us. All right, so a couple of key points there, Bruce. So if there's a question about how committed they are and they do not have an AD, how intriguing then is that job right now for elite-level coaches? I think, you know, this is not going to be your like last year where you had LSU and USC and a bunch of big jobs come open. We might have Auburn come open. You know, you already have Nebraska open. I would suspect you will have Colorado come open before too long. But really, Auburn is the one school that is a, that is a big job with a lot of resources. I mean, I don't think Nebraska is, Colorado's not, and right now Georgia Tech doesn't feel like that. So I think you will definitely have some some uh, assistant coaches who, who have recruited this area think it has a lot of potential if you can get it going. Uh, you'll have some, some group of five head coaches, I think, that will be very tempted. And then we'll see what, you know, what else they can get. I mean, the Auburn job, and again, Auburn's going to be a place that also is going to have to hire an AD. That is a bigger job. And so, to me, in, my, in the story I did uh, yesterday, I think a big candidate uh, target for Georgia Tech will be Deion Sanders. Obviously, he was a star player for both the Falcons and the Braves, and he's doing a really nice job at Jackson State as the head coach there. But will he be more tempted if and when Auburn comes open by that job? I suspect he will. Talking to Bruce Feldman, I mean, let's just step back for one minute, Bruce. Like, Dion is an all-time great. I mean, and a unicorn, an absolute icon. That said, we're talking, literally, you and I are talking about Dion possibly having a shot at the Auburn head coaching job, which is incredible to me. Like, if we were to take a step back, what was your reaction when Jackson State first hired Dion? Were you at all skeptical? I was a little because you're talking about a guy who had never been a college head coach. He'd been a high school head coach. But you, you hear a lot of – like, to me, this is – college football is different than – than the NBA where you have some, some great former players who jump in and they can have a lot of success where it's just, 
you know, the rosters are so big. There's a lot of different things that go on with college football, especially in terms of how can, you know, what kind of resources you're working with and everything like that. But he has really done exceedingly well. And he's, he's obviously been a tremendous recruiter. The fact that he flipped the number one player in the country last year from his alma mater, no less, Florida State to go to Jackson State, you know, in a place that does not have the same resources as a lot of other places in major college football does. And he's winning a lot of games, right? And so I think it's a big credit to him. But for the people I know who've worked around him both in the NFL, but even the, the guys I know who worked with him at NFL Network really spoke highly of, of how he works, how he approaches things, what he's like to work with. And so I, I think they were like, this guy's going to do great. And so far, he really has. And, if, you know, if, if Mike Norvell hadn't got it going, and he has now at Florida State, I think there was going to be a lot of pressure on that school if they were making a coaching change to really look closely at Dion, given what he's done. And now I don't, I don't think Florida State's going to be in the market for a head coach, but, you know, I think Auburn will. And this is a guy who I don't think anybody wants to recruit against because of his personality, because of the way he's able to connect with players. And also, you know, even though he's at a, at a, a FCS program, he's got a lot of visibility now in terms of he's on a commercial all over the place with Nick Saban. And I just think he is, like for the coaches who dread facing like the triple option often because it's hard to prepare for, you know, I'd argue this is going to be an even bigger headache for them if you got to go follow Deion Sanders in a home visit. Talking to Bruce Feldman, I mean, fascinating stuff. So, Bruce, ultimately, what do you think, or how do you think that plays out? Do you think that Georgia Tech, because of his background in the area, would that appeal to him enough that if he were offered that job, if, they, if in fact, they were committed and they got their AD, is that the one that he would take, or would he wait for Auburn or something even bigger than that? Like, what's his mindset, do you think? I think he's got to really look and see, okay, how committed is Georgia Tech to really get it in going here? Auburn has a lot has a lot of money. They're obviously in a bigger football conference. It's a tough conference. I mean, you got Nick Saban in your state. I don't think Dion. You know, this is a guy who's never backed down from any challenges. So I I think you know again we'll see how how Auburn right now they they are not they still have Brian Harson as their head coach. But if we if it is how we expect it to go that they're going to make a coaching change, do the money people there rally behind Dion? I think that job will be a more will be a very interesting coaching search if and when it comes open because I think they will look hard at Lane Kiffin, who's obviously doing a nice job in that division. I think they will consider Hugh Freeze, who had coached it at Ole Miss and has a lot of ties to the area and is a really good uh, offensive coach as well. I mean, you have three guys who all have big personalities and you know they're polarizing to some degree or another. Um, and I think that they're probably all going to – feel like they're better fits for what Auburn is trying to do than what they have right now with Brian Harson, who did a nice job at Boise State, but really a lot of the money people never wanted him in the first place. We're talking to Bruce Feldman, covering a lot of ground. So, Bruce, go back to Nebraska. You brought that up. What is the latest, as far as you can tell, on the Nebraska front, and how do you think that AD Trev Alberts is approaching this hire? Right now, from, from what I had heard, that. There was a couple of candidates I think that he was most interested in. Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offense coordinator, you know well from his time both at Penn State and the NFL. I mean, when he was at Georgia Tech, he had, he and uh, you know Trev Alberts got to know each other. Trev Alberts, I understand, really thinks highly of him, and the job he did at Penn State taking over a you know a really tough situation in the wake of the Sandusky scandal there. And I think he's somebody that they know that that program needs a big overhaul. I think he's somebody that they're going to they're going to give strong consideration to. I think Matt Campbell is at Iowa State, you know, great developer of talent, really created a good culture at a place that no one's ever won at in, at Iowa State like this. And then the third guy is Lance Leipold, former Nebraska assistant, won six national titles at D three level, did a really good job in the MAC, and now has kind of worked in miracles at Kansas. I and mean, Kansas is four and zero. They they were horrible for so long. I think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, if it came down to it, I don't know if Matt Campbell would leave Iowa State for Nebraska. I, th- I think it'd be hard for Lance Eiple to turn down Nebraska from Kansas. I, I just, I think he is a guy that, if I had to guess, that would 
to me, that would be probably the leader in the clubhouse at this point, the way I think this thing's going to shape out. But there's still a lot of lot of time before they make that decision. I'm sure, Bruce, you had the same reaction I did. I had him on the show a few days back, and I agree with you. He's doing a miraculous job at Kansas, an amazing job at Kansas. And I asked him about that, and understandably, he didn't have a lot to say about that. But, yeah, I think that I, I love to see what's going on in Kansas. He's done a great job. But if I'm Nebraska, I would try really hard to get him out of there. What about, and not to put you in a weird spot, Bruce, but what about your colleague at Fox, Urban Meyer? Ne- Nebraska fans made it pretty clear when he showed up who they'd like to have as their head coach. Any sense of where his head is at and whether or not there might be interest from Trev Alberts in Urban Meyer? I, my hunch is no, that I, I don't think that would be a, a fit for a couple of, you know, uh, you know, maybe on both sides. I don't know if, if, how ba- if he badly wants to get into co- back into coaching or not. I mean, obviously, it did not go well the last year when he was in the NFL. Is that a case where, because when he, when he was with us at Fox a couple of years ago, he could have been the head coach at Texas. He did not want to go back to being a college coach. I just think that the way things were going with the sport, I just don't think he wanted any part of that. He ended up jumping in the NFL as a different challenge. It did not go well. I don't know if in the back of his head, as a competitor, he would question and say, is that the last coach? Is that the way I want to end my coaching career on something that was, went so poorly? I don't know if he thinks that way or not. Um, you know, I don't know if he sits back and if, you know, if Auburn reached out to him when their job, you know, job is open. I don't know if at this stage when he's close to 60, if he would say, yeah, that's the kind of place I want to jump into. You know, I, I think it's, it, I, I, that would surprise me to be honest, but you know, he's a tough guy to read. You know, I work with him. I, I just, you just never know. Talking to Bruce Feldman for a few more moments. Bruce, really quickly, you've covered, you spent a lot of time covering a lot of prominent programs, but you know the Canes and Miami as well as anybody. I had Rick Stock still on earlier today, and needless to say, he was still kind of buzzing. He had turned the page and was getting ready for Friday night's game against UTSA, but that was such an enormous win for them to go into Coral Gables and do to the Canes what they did. Where does that leave Miami in this so-called renaissance with Mario Cristobal and the return of the Canes? Because needless to say, that was not a good thing for them or a positive development in any sense no it was it was an embarrassing showing and i think you know having been down there in august and seeing their you know seeing them practice you come away looking going this is not a team that had a lot of firepower on offense you know their their receiving core is really underwhelming and that was without their their you know kind of go-to receiver who's out for a long time now the running backs are are, are decent but not great. This is not a very talented Miami team, right? I think the quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, who had a good year last year, it just seems like he is, he is you know, struggling to carry probably, you know, he, he had better receivers last year than he does this year. And I think the reality is Mario Cristobal will recruit really, really well there. But they are not – they are very a, a pretty good team – in a really bad division. They're on the weaker side of the ACC. And when you look at that, I think Pitt's pretty good. But beyond that, you see some really bad teams. And so my guess is maybe they can get to eight wins, but I don't know if it's going to happen because that was before they got, you know, kind of got whipped by middle Tennessee at home, you know? So I think this is, you know, to Cristobal's credit, you know, whenever I've talked to him, he's like, I don't want to hear about the U is back. All he keeps saying is the U is back to work. And Miami football did not fall apart <laughs> overnight, and it's not going to get rebuilt overnight. You know, this is, you know, I, I think they will def- get better after this recruiting class, but they got a lot of work to do for them to be a legit, like, top 15 team. They just, you know, I thought they would be a little better than they are on offense. I definitely didn't think they would lose to Middle Tennessee. But this is... This isn't USC right now where you got a bunch of transfers at key places and a bunch of, you know, really good skill guys and maybe a, a very average defense. This is a team that doesn't have that kind of firepower and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to grind and I think Miami fans are gonna have to realize this is this is just because we got a head coach talking big and recruits are buying in, 
those recruits are not on the field right now. Bruce Feldman, my guest. Bruce, to that point, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you that before I let you go. Because you're in Southern California and you've covered USC extensively, to that point, Lincoln Riley is 4-0. and He starts his tenure off. And they had that comeback win over Oregon State. They've got Arizona State this week. We know with Caleb Williams. They're going to put points on the board. But you mentioned the defense. So before I let you go, what do you make of that defense? Is it good enough for them to be considered a legitimate contender for the college football playoff or maybe not so much so? I don't think it's good enough to be considered a legit contender for the playoff. I think they can win 10 games and have a, have a, have a shot to be in the conversation, but I don't think they're, I don't think the PAC 12 is, is good enough right now across the board. Like look, Washington clearly is much improved, but I think when you look at this team, they're very explosive on offense. And that's a game last week that they would normally have lost. You know, they found a way to win. I give credit to Alex Grinch. His defense is is forcing a lot of turnovers. And just with turnovers, you know, it becomes like a belief and you can get hot almost and like it, it's just the ball starts to find guys. But you look at Stanford move the ball almost at will on them. And I think ultimately that will come back to bite them. I just don't think they have a lot of margin for error on defense. And when you're living by getting a lot of turnovers, Sometimes you're forcing turnovers, and sometimes the ball is just bouncing off guys, and, and your guys are being opportunistic. My hunch on them is they're much improved. I don't think they're a, they're good enough on defense to really be considered a legit playoff team. I think they're a notch below that, at least at least at this point. I mean, just haven't seen enough from them to, to feel like they're that much different. Covering so much ground. He is a college football reporter for Fox Sports, a national college football insider for The Athletic, co-host of the Audible podcast. Also, of course, a New York Times bestselling author, Bruce Feldman, my guest. Bruce, really appreciate it. Great conversation. As always, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You know, it used to be I would wait until Friday, but now it's a Monday thing. I'll take that decade, yeah, coming off the weekend we did, Albie. If it sounds like I'm fired up, it's because I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Despite that hideous crap fest that I was subjected to last night. Devastating play. You know Orlovsky and Wentz were both like, yes! I don't know that I've ever seen a safety be a break for a team. That's high. I have just never seen a butt punt before. Never. And neither has the cheetah himself. Never seen a butt punt before, man. Buttocks. Rolling right is Trevor firing for the touchdown. Danica Duval. We're talking about a guy who looks like a totally different player. Totally different player. They've got the look of a pretty damn good team. Lance Leipold is my guest. Is he in the Heisman Trophy conversation? <laughs> oh, Jimmy, you're going to put me on the spot. Wait till I ask you about Nebraska. <laughs> I want to talk about Eagle River, Jim. Josh McDaniels. I hope that Irish potato farmer gets herpes on his peen. I am banning Abby for life. I mean, it's harsh. And maybe not entirely fair, Abby. Antoine Mateus joining us. Lamar bet on himself, which I love. Man, he's playing lights out. Man, the prices are just going up. And he proves to the Baltimore Ravens that whatever he's asking for, he's worth it. Hey, Peloton. Let's ride. 60, 75, or 90. Brian Mormon is going to fake it. That right there and horrible football will forever be the legacy of the Pro Bowl. R.I.P. And it's about time. Touchdown, Lamb! Touchdown, Cowboys! So for once, I'm actually going to say this and I'm actually going to mean this. How about them Cowboys? Taking nothing away from Rush. I like it. But it certainly does help when the other team's quarterback is Danny Turnovers. Blue guy. My man can take a red eye to Vegas and be a blue man group groupie. Start banging on some paint buckets outside the Luxor. Talk about wearing an L. Kenny Clark is my guest. We knew it was going to be a defensive game. Uh, we were physical in there. Really proud of how our defense played. I know there are people listening that had to make a choice like that when they went to choose a college, and I'm curious how it went. One piece of advice to Rogan Loam for Boise State is... No! It's all traffic. Time, my man. You don't know traffic. I know traffic. Rogan doesn't want to give up baseball. There's a lot of advantages to going to a D3 college. What D3 school... Did you go to? Gonna go. All right, so let's go to Nebraska. Garrett. I think he shouldn't do it because I should have went to the University of Nebraska. Enjoy the time. And by the way, my name is Garrett. You got it. Ah. There, but I said, no, no, no. You do not correct the host. No, no, no. Boise State 
has blue turf on the playing field. And Arizona State has no turf on the playing field. Come on! Ah, Jeremy surrounded by meth in Montana. You know what? I'm going to put myself out there. Every bleeping state has meth. God damn right. Alvy. Wow. Rodney McLeod is my guest. How good did it feel to be that guy? Man, it felt very good uh, to show the game for our team. First win of the season at home in front of our fans. Uh, no better feeling than that. Baseball, Baseball bat. bat. Get, Get this, this guy, guy a monkey wrench. Rick Stockstill. Thanks for having me on, my man. I try to coach like Coach Valve more than any coach that I've coached for. He had the unique ability to make an average player play good and a good player play great. What was your initial reaction? I was happy. Dude, you sound thrilled. Did you just signed a $133 million contract. I guess. Or get hit by a train. You want to uh, put the subway down? And who came up with the name Danger Witch? It's got that slasher vibe, doesn't it? To catch Lyle doing the Southern Sandwich Shuffle. Sandwich. It is time to beef. Let's get it. How about this beef beauty? You're not paying attention and bah, bah, two nice blasts of a car horn. My beef is with pizza companies not having that little tiny plastic table in the pizzas anymore. Might be specific standard time zone. Time y'all are rolling out of the rack. I'm already on my fifth lunch taco. I'll have to watch a show when I get on. So panty. Definitely not good enough. It gives a whole new meaning to kicking you know what. Anybody should be getting royalties off anything it should be me for everything jimmy he doesn't know where he is got a lot of respect for you and your show man i've been following you for a long time always a pleasure jim thanks for having me 100 pounds tweet that idiot kicker mini vacation to madison because this is jake's senior year there will never be another one another one good night now good night now